0: Hello, my name is Mitchell Adams I am a content creator and a writer for WrestleRoyalty.com I also founded the Facebook group Harley Quinn Memes In this brand new podcast, we're going to be discussing a whole variety of subjects over the next few weeks delving deep into the similarities between comic book related media and professional wrestling But before we get into that I just thought that I should talk to you guys about the current COVID-19 pandemic. It's affected all of us in so many different ways. It's affected the industries that we will discuss in this podcast. I just want everyone out there listening to please follow local medical advice, follow follow the advice of your local authorities. And please, wear a mask, save your life, save someone else's life. Thank you.
1: Welcome to an informative and hilarious podcast hosted by Mitch Adams of Wrestle Royalty and Stephen Dickey from WOW, Women of Wrestling. In the worlds of comic book related media and pro wrestling, both tell stories while everyone involved wears tight, colorful outfits that would make circus performers blush. Ladies and gentlemen, WrestleRoyalty.com and Harley Quinn memes on Facebook proudly present Storytelling in Spandex.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Storytelling in Spandex. My name is Mitchell Adams. I am a content creator, and I'm a writer for wrestleraudi.com, and I also created Harley Quinn memes on Facebook. Check it out, it's a lot of fun. Today, I'm joined by color commentator extraordinaire in the world of professional wrestling, women of wrestling superstars, very own, Stephen Dickey. Stephen, how are you going today, mate?
1: Doing really well, Mitch. Thank you for, uh, for that lovely introduction. You listed all my accolades, as few as there may be, very well. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir.
0: <laughs> well, I've got fewer, mate, so don't you worry about that. Uh, <laughs> well, today, you know, for the first episode of this, we were going to discuss a variety of different subjects, but with everything going on in the world, it seemed only fitting to uh, discuss the state of both the comic book uh, related media industry and the professional wrestling industry, how everything's going through uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Because, you know, it's affected everybody in so many different ways. It's affected both these industries that we both love so much. So it seemed like really the, the most fitting uh, thing to discuss. And I think I should, in all honesty, open the floor to you first since, uh, you know uh, it's affected you or probably more than it has me um i mean what's it like from your uh, you know your are into the of of things with um you know with uh, house you know whales how, pretty much on hiatus no uh, what's your thoughts on it man
1: yeah i mean it's it's been rough with uh, with the pandemic i mean it's been rough for everybody but i think this um i think it shows that the the biggest thing that, that I've been thinking about lately with the pandemic going on is that it shows that some of these companies through their enormous wealth have been able to prosper through mm-hmm. the pandemic. You know, you look at the companies like WWE, AEW, even Ring of Honor, who's not really doing a lot right now, these companies that are owned by these multi-million dollar entities, whether it's you know wealthy people or wealthy companies. Mm-hmm. It, it's shown that, that, you know, some of these companies were prepared for, you know, no live events, and no live shows. And these uh, very intelligent business maneuvers, like contractual situations that they've created and established have really, you know, created a, a situation where they are insulated with with a lot of their wealth and, and, and their money. Um, but with Wow, you know, we're obviously we're a smaller company. We're essentially a small business. We, you know, I think we do a lot of great production maneuvering to give everybody the highest quality production that we possibly can. But ultimately it shows that companies like us, you know, this is, uh, this has been a real hindrance, you know, with the fact that especially with wow being based out of Los Angeles, I hope I'm not jumping around here too much with, Uh with, uh, with what I'm talking about, but with, with wow being based out of Los Angeles too, you know, WWE has this benefit of being out of Florida where Florida has, probably had fewer restrictions than any than 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 most states you know with uh with the united states right now um but with that wow being out of los angeles you know the city and the state itself have had so many restrictions that you know a lot of the talent can't leave or couldn't leave for so long mm-hmm. and now that they're you know now that restrictions are lifting or, or becoming a little bit more lenient it's still not to a point where live events are you know really encouraged uh, in 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 Los Angeles, in California, you know, the gatherings are still limited. So, you know, right now, yeah, there's just not a lot that can be done with, with wow, where it's at at the moment, you know, there's a lot of things in the works, there's been a lot of deals going on, but at the same time, you know, without the ability to have a crowd without the ability to have performers. Um, Cause wow, talent is, you know, spread out through the United States and even the world. You know, we've got international talent that, that can't come to us that can't travel. So I mean it has it's really demonstrated that a lot of companies, I don't want to say weren't prepared for it, because I don't know anybody that was prepared for a pandemic. Oh, no, of course not. But it shows that a lot of companies were not in a position where they where they had that that safeguard, you know, that that line of defense mm-hmm. uh, in place financially to where this was
0: feasible. Mm. I mean I feel very sorry for professional wrestlers that uh, aren't signed to these big companies. I mean, uh, we saw on, on uh, AEW Dynamite just the other week, uh, Eddie Kingston, he's been a mainstay in the uh, American independent scene for such a long time. Uh, You know, when they were telling the story about how uh, he was on, uh, on AEW this week to challenge Cody for his TNT title. They were telling the story about how he had to sell his wrestling boots and all of his wrestling gear to pay off his mortgage because he hasn't been able to work for the last six months. So Yeah, I mean, that's a a story that I think uh,
1: a lot of the indie wrestlers and and just talent in general, you know, anybody who's involved in the wrestling business, if if your main source of income was professional wrestling and you're not signed to one of those companies, you know, you haven't inked a deal exclusively, with a WWE, AEW, Impact, or Ring of Honor, or anybody like that, if you haven't, if you don't have one of those deals, then yeah, I mean you're you're finding any way of income that you possibly can. You know, yeah. we're 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 all trying to 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 just keep our head above water at this point. You know, not just the wrestling industry,
0: but you know, people just people everywhere. Yeah, well, yeah you know, absolutely. It, it, I mean,
1: Better for anybody. Yeah,
0: it means the same in um uh, you know it's exactly the same in the world of comic book related media um. You know, uh, no, the main publishers, uh, DC and Marvel, are owned by Warner Brothers and Disney, obviously, so they're not going to be too badly affected. But, you know, there have been delays. There have been some writers and some artists that have been, you know, furlonged and so it, it's, it's tough. And, you know, uh, obviously a lot of the films and, and, and TV series that uh, we all know and love, um, you know, uh, they've either been, their releases have been delayed or, they, you know, they've stopped filming because it's just not possible to film. So it's, it's, it's affected everybody. I mean, I know uh, some people listening to me right now thinking, Oh yeah, but they're all worth m- millions of dollars each. It's <laughs> not necessarily true. And, you know, you think about well, all the people like in professional wrestling, all the people that are in production, you know, uh, 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 camera people, you know, uh, uh, the sound recorders, um, makeup artists, costume designers, you know, all those people are currently out of work due to this uh, pandemic. So it's, it's a real, you know, it's a real tough spot for everybody, I mean. And one thing I, I read the other day which shocked me that is that um, despite being the most massive company, entertainment company you can think of, Disney, because they have the theme parks, they're actually in a worse state financially than, would say, Warner Brothers. So, because they've got all that, uh, you know, um, all that cost of up, upkeeping a theme park, dozens of theme parks, not being allowed anybody in. So I mean, that makes a... sense. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's another form of negative
1: rep, you know, you know, negative revenue, you know, negative income, you mm-hmm. know, it's money that's not coming in where it should be, you know? So, I mean, somebody has got to answer to somebody, there's a pecking order, there's a chain of command. So whoever is in charge of Disney theme parks is, you know, we, you know, we can all sit here and point fingers and, and say, you know, they shouldn't have opened, shouldn't, you know, shouldn't have done this, but you know, I hate to say, it, but that was somebody's job. You know, it's <laughs> like, So if that guy, if, if Disney theme parks didn't open that man or woman, whoever's in charge of that, I mean, that, that was their livelihood. So Mm -hmm. in a way, yeah. I mean, we can all sit here and judge and point fingers, but I mean, if you know, gun to your head, if you were the person in charge of that, would you have done any differently? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say it's, it's Mm -hmm. it's hard to think about being in that position where, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got to choose between, you know, we all sit here and talk about the greater good, but you know, we all have, our own livelihood to, to think about and worry about. So we've yeah. all got to, you know, we've all got to do what we can to, to, again, like I said, keep our head above water.
0: Mm. And my understanding uh, as well as in the US, um, a lot of, uh, you know, cinema chains are in trouble right now. So, cause obviously they haven't had anybody in there for about four or five months. And which is quite sad. I mean, the uh, the, I mean, everything's coming out on streaming now, which is great for us. Yeah. We still get to, we still get to, you know, be entertained, but you know, the odd, the idea of, you know, Saturday night at the movies might be a, a, a big concept. We, you know, we just don't know. I mean. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's probably the thing. Like, like I, I
1: could, I, I really couldn't care less about like certain things being closed or open or anything. But I think that was the one thing that when, uh, when movie, when, when we realized the movie theaters were going to be shut down rightfully so my yeah. wife and I were both you know extremely you know really devastated because that was that's one of our favorite things to do you know we're both movie buffs you know yeah. we we both love going to the movies and uh you know we, we particularly love horror movies so it's like anytime there's a good scary movie out we always you know we're the first ones in line to go see it but you know we can't do that right now so mm-hmm. like you said I mean streaming is is great and all but there's just something about that live theater experience that you, you know I'll a part of me will always miss that. So
0: yeah,
1: absolutely. And I mean. it's really it's 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 hard for it's hard for everybody. And then like you said, you know, like like we go back to, you know, that's somebody's job. That's somebody's you know, source source of income. Exactly. You know, is keeping these things open. So you know, it's so many people's jobs are affected. It's it's sad, you know. And I think we we're 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 getting a there's there's a mountain effect here, not a domino effect, but a mountain effect of what mm-hmm. we're talking about. We're talking about you know, we start talking about professional wrestling. And then now we're at a point where we're talking about all these other industries that have been affected by it. And I think that puts in perspective so many different things of, of how this pandemic has affected, not just wrestling, but just the entire world. Not that you know, it was lost on anybody, I'm sure, but it is just, it's, it's crazy to think about this large picture of how many lives and, and, and and things were affected by just, uh, you know, the last few months. What do we, I mean, I think we're going on six months now of, of truly being in pandemic status, but mm. that's half a year. But still, it just seems like, uh, in some ways, it seems like it's been forever. In other ways, it seems like it's been a drop in the bucket. It's surreal.
0: It's it's has yeah. Yeah, been insane, man. I mean, cinemas here. A lot of the cinemas here have opened again about two three weeks ago. Um, we Australia's a bit weird in the sense that you know we have. Uh, only have, we only have like three or four massive banks. We only have uh, three or four, um, uh, you know, everything's very centralised down here and the cinema industry is no different. I mean, the the biggest cinema chain here, which owns like 90% of cinemas is uh, Village Cinemas, which is owned by Village Roadshow, for people who don't know, which is the production company based here in Australia that um, co-produces multiple films with Warner Brothers for the last 20, 30 years oh wow so, okay so the cinema cinemas here should be okay for that reason because you no know, they're, they're they're owned by a big parent company but uh for a long time it, it was it was a bit gnarly and obviously people lost their jobs here as well and you know obviously a lot all the movies were delayed which is sad so it's just you know, it's just a massive domino effect i was not not, not domino effect i just said mountain effect so it's just yeah it's just wild man but you know, this is you know, this is a, a, a podcast about comic books and pro wrestling. So let's probably <laughs> let's probably steer this back a bit. Um, we'll bring it back full circle here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, one one thing that I was a bit um uh, that uh, obviously on the grand scam, grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. But um, one thing that I was you know bummed about was the fact uh, uh I don't know if you're a big comic book reader, but I am, and I know hopefully people who are big comic book readers will tune into this podcast. But <laughs> right. um, uh, uh i am a massive fan of of uh dc comics mainly i like marvel as well don't come at me marvel stands please don't come at me i like them too <laughs> i like dark horse comics as well um uh, i'm a dc fan too so yeah no yeah, yeah you, exactly yeah, yeah yeah i'm with you everyone has their favorite everyone likes everything but they'll they all have one out of the two that they prefer let's be honest but um one thing that kind of bummed me out was the fact that the big uh Joker War and Three Joker storyline that's been teased for almost two years now has been delayed. It's coming out next month at last, but uh, the last eighteen months uh, that they've been um, setting up for it, the storylines in uh, DC Comics for uh, the main titles, especially with the Bat Family, have been absolutely superb. Right, I mean from the Batman Catman uh, Batman Catwoman wedding to um uh, you know introducing joker's new girlfriend or as she calls herself joker's partner punchline uh just a couple uh, issues of batman ago the punchline harley quinn had a fight so it was it's been absolutely spectacular so it's just such a obviously in the grand scheme of things with people's health it doesn't matter but from a creative point of view we, you and i are both content creators and creative people and it's just a bit of a bummer and you know so and and it's i'm sure everybody's feeling that way in creative industries they're not they're not just feeling the loss of income they're feeling the loss of um you know that creative outlet so yeah i mean
1: it's it's something that uh, you know i, I know we kind of talked about different topics for this first episode and one of the i was really thinking the gears really started turning this morning like i've been a huge comic book reader over the years i mean i haven't been able to read as many as i'd like over the last couple of years but I, I mean i absolutely love comic books i think my it, it i think everybody has one way or another either comics led you to wrestling or wrestling led you to comics i was one oh, of those absolutely. people. wrestling led me to comics <laughs> and, and so it's just one of those things i love the stories the good versus evil i think it's something we can all relate to and something we can all sink our teeth into mm. but i was thinking about you know the comic book industry you know, obviously my experience is more so on the wrestling side of things, but I was just thinking of like the basics of what I know about the comic book industry and kind of, um, it, although like you said, there's so many things that are so many hindrances and so many things that are preventing people from, from working and, and, and producing the content that they want to create. One thing I thought about was with the pandemic, I mean, obviously people needed to be quarantined and still need to be quarantined. There are some countries Mm -hmm. who are taking this much more serious than the United States are and are keeping their people at home, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. What I started to think about was, while we're not seeing the results of this yet, I think ultimately what this is going to probably do or what, what I'm hoping to do, you know, the optimist in me keeps thinking that there's going to be a new generation of people who are discovering their creativity yes. who are finally able to pursue their passion mm. who are at home right now creating comics and and creating characters and drawing you know the the storyboards that they've wanted to create for so long but couldn't because unfortunately you know their work week just didn't allow them that free time mm. so i'm hoping that while we're not seeing those effects here in these first 6 months i think ultimately over the next few years we're going to see a new generation of these content creators come around and, and really present themselves in a way. And I think we're just going to see this super massive influx of creative people into these industries like comic books. I think even pro wrestling, I think we're going to mm-hmm. see something because it, it, you know, again, the gears started turning this morning as I was, you know, on my drive to work. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, here in the United States, I, I'm sure, you know, I'm not like I, I I can't say I'm hundred percent certain, but I'm sure that when all is said and done and the smoke is cleared, there'll probably be some incentives for people starting these new small businesses. So, yeah. you know, whether that, you know, whether that, that person's small businesses, they want to, you know, they want to create, you know, they want to start a, a company where they can, they, where they can license their art, you know, mm. for different things, where they can, you know, uh, create their own studio, where they can, you know, start putting on professional wrestling events you know, I, I really think this is uh, uh, again the optimist in me keeps thinking that we're going to see a lot of people come forward and say, "Hey, you know, now I've got the time to to draw what I've always wanted to draw. I've got a time to think and formulate and write and plan my next move because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I, I can't do anything else. You know, is you know out of necessity. If nothing else, we're going to see a lot of people really discover their purpose in all of this. So that's that's. Well, it, it really sucks right now, and, and we we all feel kind of you know boxed in. Uh, I I think eventually we're going to see this really huge surge here in the coming years.
0: Well, I, I I think you may be right there, and we, really one can only hope because um as as you said you know uh, everything going on, everybody's staying at home. They have to keep their minds occupied with something, and if that that's you know deciding to um uh, pursue. Now, a passion that they've long neglected because, you know, obviously they've had to work and now they're no longer working. They might be able to, you know, do that. That's, that's the same thing. I mean, I don't know uh, if this is happening in, in the U S right now, but uh, the Australian government is giving a lot of the tax, tax incentives for people who do want to do that. to to, you know, create content to make uh, income for themselves and possibly make income for others. So it's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm what saying.
1: I mean, it's, I, I'm not the biggest fan of, uh, capitalism, but, you know, one no, thing it does exactly. is it, it, it you know, it may suck for the individual, but it, it really helps businesses thrive. So if, if people are, you know, discovering these passions and these, these businesses and these endeavors that they've always wanted to, 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 to pursue, then I think we're going to see those people really have their opportunity. You know, it, it, you know, like I said, you said it's already in place in a lot of uh, in in much of Australia, which is is tremendous. I'm happy to hear that. And, and like I said, I think when the smoke clears, you know, here in the states, you know, I, I think I, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of incentives for people to to finally do what they've always wanted to do because you know that's that's how you that's truly how you stimulate an economy is you mm. encourage the people who who want to be business owners who want to take on the the mm. the the, both the burden and the success of being their own, you know, their own boss and their own business, mm. you know, that's how, that's, that's how you keep the economy going. So I would really be surprised if we, if we don't see these businesses bounce back, these industries bounce back in wrestling and, and, and comic
0: book media. Yeah. Well, everything will bounce back. The problem is we have to, um, the whole world has to pay back uh, this uh, massive deficit from seeing our duffs for the last year. That's the problem. But, exactly. but you know, that, that's, that's, that's prop. That's a problem for the next generation. We would know every generation screws the one after and that's, that's what we've done. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're just, we're just keeping it going. <laughs> <laughs> keeping the tradition alive, sadly. Exactly. I oh, mean, uh, there is one other thing I would like to talk about if you don't, if you don't yeah. mind. Um, the, uh, <laughs> a lot of the, I watch a lot of um, obviously the comic book media uh, uh television series i mean i've just started binging um the second season of umbrella academy the other night and i'm quite enjoying that but uh the amount of um of uh, we talked a bit bit about this before about movies and tv series about being put on hiatus but you know i just i don't do people really understand exactly how much content both either on streaming or television or film is really um based on comic books it's pretty much about, yep. se- it's about 70% of the, you know, uh, creative sphere right now. and No, you're absolutely right. I don't think people really grasp, like, how many properties uh,
1: have been a- adapted at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's truly staggering when you think about, like, ha- half these, you know, half people probably don't even understand that some of their favorite movies, uh, uh, you know, and some of their favorite characters all have their origins in one way, shape,
0: or form in comic books. Hmm yeah and and when and you know people as ignorant as someone say like bill may i think it's just for kids so whatever <laughs>
1: <laughs> right it's you know it's it's funny to me like i i um i i think um it may seem obvious to some people but i think there's i mean there are teenagers out there who watch shows like riverdale and don't understand archie that you know, right yeah they don't understand that that that's like one of the longest running comic book series you know with archie mm-hmm. And, and, and all of them and Jughead and all, you know, they don't understand that these characters have been around longer than any of them could possibly conceive. Mm. You know, mm. I remember, you know, even somebody like me who I, like I said, I, I feel like I'm pretty in tune with comic books. I've read them for years. Like I said, I haven't really delved into too much of the new content, although I wish I could, but there's a, uh, there, you know, like, uh, what was it? The Vin Diesel movie that came out? Uh, Bloodshot? Um,
0: uh yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Bloodshot.
1: Yeah. No idea, no idea that was based on a comic book, and like I said, I feel like I'm one of the people who's more in tune with that sort of thing. So it's like, I, I you know, I didn't realize it until, um, you know, watching a, a watch mojo video of all these movies that have been delayed, and they're like, Yeah, this adaptation, and I'm like, My god, it is an adaptation, I totally didn't even realize it. But I, so again, there's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many other properties out there that hold their roots. in 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 comic books in one way shape or form you know if people truly looked into it i think you'd be amazed like you said 70 percent of of the stuff Mm. that's out there right now i'd like that number to me like it's like that uh, again i would have i would have probably guessed high 50s 60s but 70 percent
0: like that number like that just that just blows me over Mm. I mean, some people complain about the, you know <laughs> the lack of um, original ideas out there, which is a valid one. But as as we said before, people who are sitting at home right now might, will come up with the next original idea. So, yeah, I mean, it's I, I remember
1: um, one of my favorite filmmakers is um, J. A. Bayona. He uh, uh, did one of my favorite horror movies, The Orphanage, and uh, mm. also did movies like uh, uh, The Impossible, the movie about the tsunami. Um, brilliant filmmaker. Um, but I remember there was talk of adapting one of his movies uh, for American audiences. Cause he is a, a Hispanic filmmaker. Okay. And he said, um, I think, I believe he's actually from Mexico and they asked him about it. And he said, uh, he's like, it, it, it upset him. He, he really fought to not have the movie adapted because uh, he said, you know, in Mexico we have all this creativity and none of the money. And then in the United States they have all of the money and none of the creativity. (laughs) And to me, I mean, it's like, that's, you're right. I mean, people do talk about these lack of original ideas, but I, I, I don't, I, I, I think the problem, you know, although we kind of, you know, generalize it and, and use the, you know, these vague terms of you know, there's no original ideas. I think it's, it's not a lack of original ideas. I think it's the same ideas keep Mm. getting adapted. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, People don't even. Some people don't even realize that the you know there's this awful, awful adaptation of the Fantastic Four from the uh, you know from the was it late '80s, early '90s. It's just yeah. so low budget and just cheesy. Um, Captain America was a, Yeah, you know Captain America was adapted too. You know previously, and hmm. uh, there was the awful David Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie. You yeah. know, so it's like we keep seeing a lot of these ideas and a lot of these characters that we're not, you know, they're, they're being recycled. So it's, you know, I'm fine with stuff being adapted. I just think it's like, I wish filmmakers and content creators would start looking into these other properties. You know, we kind of saw it with guardians of the galaxy, not to get off on the team here, but uh, guardians of the galaxy was a property that very few people knew about and very few people really, you know, thought about as being adapted into a film. But, you know, Hmm. then you've got a filmmaker like James Gunn, who looks at it and he's like, I can work wonders with this and, and really did. I mean, really just knocked it out of the park. So I think, you know, if we saw more ideas like that where you get these, these properties like Guardians of the Galaxy that somebody like a James Gunn could really take, visualize and conceptualize an entire film series, a film saga, you know, and, and then be able to integrate that into the bigger MCU you know that's what i think a lot of us would like to see so while original ideas would be great i think if we just start to see maybe some some new properties adapted to some new characters i think that would be something that i i i think would really revitalize the scene you know once things get you know back to the way
0: they were or as close to the way they were as they possibly can mm. yeah i agree um one thing though about all the unpassed marvel adaptations uh during that same time we also got the incredible hulk tv series so i think perhaps we right should- so that that one we'll give a pass to, not more than a pass to. That one was quite that was that one was quite good, I think. Not the truest comic book adaptation, but still quite quite well done. Um, right. I mean, we
1: also you know you got the you mentioned the Incredible Hulk. There was also around the time we got the Wonder Woman series with exactly Linda Carter, so. and then we also got um, you know we started getting the Superman movies with Richard you know Richard directed by Richard Donner. Yeah. You know uh, just you know the first two Superman movies just incredible you know he Mm. Richard Donner Christopher Reeve just made magic with those with those films so I think if you know again if uh, you know this some some stuff was was cheesy and awful and terrible and probably turned a lot of people off from you know comic book book adaptations Mm. you know there was still some great some really solid content like you said maybe not the truest adaptations but some really
0: impressive uh, stuff that people were able to create even back then in the 70s My yeah, I mean, my favourite uh, comic book adaptations at the minute, uh, obviously, Umbrella Academy, which I mentioned before, but also um, uh, Lucifer, both on Netflix, um, and yeah. both uh, from comic books that aren't super well known. Uh, the Umbrella Academy was co-written, but believe it or not, by the lead singer, lead singer of My Chemical Romance. So, uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Gerard, Gerard, Way. Gerard Way. Yeah, so, I remember.
1: I remember when my wife told me that she's like, "Yeah, that's that's uh, that's Gerard's." I'm like, "You're kidding me!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and uh, and of course, um, Lucifer was written by you no know, comic book writer and uh, best-selling author cross uh, crossover appeal there, um, Neil Gaiman. Uh, who... Oh, I love I love Neil Gaiman. Yeah, same here. I I, I just I just uh, reread American Gods the other night. It's just amazing. Novel. Yeah, <laughs> amazing novel. You should seriously uh, ch- check it out, guys. Um, and you know that that comic book, the original Lucifer comic book, was uh, an offshoot of his much more famous work Sandman, which they're now uh, adapting, which I'm super excited about. So yeah, I was I, I remember. Yeah, I remember Lucifer
1: tied into Sa- Sandman somehow. So I appreciate you jogging my memory there. <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: Uh, and, and the thing of it is Lucifer, the TV series, is probably the furthest. It's the loosest adaptation you'll find, but I love. I love the TV series and the comic book in equal measure, but you know, it's the loosest adaptation you'll find. So there are people who are taking, as you said, taking uh lesser known properties and making it not original, but putting their own spin on and creating something that people haven't seen before. Like you see with James Gunn and with guardians of the galaxy. And I'm also really excited to see what James Gunn does with uh, the reboot of suicide squad. So
1: yeah I, I i mean i yeah the the last film didn't didn't turn out so great but i think you know what
0: i like that film aren't I, i believe me it has faults but as a massive harley quinn fan margot robbie muah, perfect
1: you know it's it's the one one of the few bright spots that came out of that that film i mean you know it was like uh it was uh it, it was that was perfect that that was right place right time they got the perfect harley quinn and i remember when she was cast i was one of the few people i was like nah nah there could have been somebody else didn't know who but i just i remember thinking like yeah i don't know how she'll do with this and then you're like you said she just like she just you know took everybody's breath away with that role and then you get you know birds of prey uh you know was you know just one of the uh that was one of the
0: better received movies of the uh, you know of the last year unfortunately it didn't make any money that's the b- b- problem that people for some reason people didn't see it It made a ton on streaming but nobody went to see it and this was before the pandemic so you know, yeah I, which is which, is, which I, is odd to me I think I think it was the rating that hurt that film I, and, and to be honest as much as I liked it I don't think it needed to be R-rated I think I think they could have toned it down a little bit and they would have had the same aesthetic the same tone the same feel and the same rebellious attitude but that's just me
1: I mean, I, I, agree with what you, I, 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 totally agree with you. I, my, my theory, and this kind of ties into a little bit, you know, what I've done with wrestling is, is I think there's a, I think there's, there's a high level with, with these films, you know, not to play this card, but I mean, I think it's a card that's worth playing. It is sexism. I think played oh, absolutely. You know, a, a good oh, yeah. part of that. You know, you got good birds idea. of prey, you know, and, and then uh, the, what was the other movie that came out around the same, time, you know, Charlie's angels, you know, yeah. didn't do well. And then you even go back to what was it 2016 with the Ghostbusters all female adaptation? Um, you know, it's just like there's there's a high level of uh, there's a high level of, of sexism when it and and, and, uh, and
0: bias. Absolutely, when it comes Absolutely. to the film which is which is plain disgusting and wrong in so many different ways. And yeah, I, 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 I just don't get it. I mean, I will say that I will say though, I bought I bought tickets to see the Ghostbusters reboot and the Charlie's Angels reboot both hoping that they would shut the critics up, shut the sexists up. But unfortunately yeah. I went in those films thinking, oh, bugger, they're not going to do it. This isn't good. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, yeah, after, well, I, mean yeah. after, I mean, after, I mean, after Melissa McCarthy made her fourth one ton to broth ratio in her soup joke, I thought it's not going to make it, is it? So no. I,
1: I mean, well, I'm not saying that, you know, they were, you know, they were the works of Shakespeare by any means, but I I also, I also think another thing is like, and I'm not saying this is what you're getting at or I'm not, I'm not accusing you of anything, but I think so many people, like too many people walk into films and they're just like, you know, this has to be Citizen Kane. And, you know, it's.
0: But, 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 you know, I just thought, you know, with the talent involved in both those films, it, it, you know, it, it, they should have had. Oh, they could made. have been way better. I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it, it it could have been molds better. Just, just you know, I I I don't I don't blame the the uh, no I don't blame the women involved in that those films. I actually blame the men because they were both written by men. So, <laughs> no, no, that's another great point. You
1: know, it's like you've got people writing. You know, you got men writing for women characters, and it's it's just it doesn't work. As a as a, a man who has written for women. Trust me, it's you. You need you need a woman's voice In your to video. at least help. Yeah, I mean it's like it's like I I, uh, I remember the first time uh, a wrestler wrote a uh, a script of mine, and I want to go on the record saying I'm not a fan of scripted promos, but if I'm asked to write a script for a promo, got to do what I got to do. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I remember the first time a wrestler wrote you know read one of my scripts you know, obviously working with women's wrestlers, this was a woman reading a script written by a man. And it just, it just, it, it there was, there was an obvious disconnect. Yeah. I mean, I could I can, I can, I can sit here and tell you as, as a, as a man who's written for women, there is a disconnect there. And that, you know, that's why I always, if you're going to be writing for women, you need a woman in the creative process. Hmm. It's just, it, it, it's, there's, I don't, I don't know other way to say that, than it's common sense, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, because, you know, I think
0: because we don't have yeah. their experience, we don't have their life. No, no, exactly. It's, we, we don't. You, you know, and we, I'm not saying, I, yeah,
1: right. You're absolutely right, and I'm not saying there's, there's no man who can, no man can write for any woman. I'm not saying a woman no. can't write for a man. I'm not saying that, but it's just like you need that, you need that voice, you need that, you need somebody, at least
0: somebody in the process with you. To clear, to help on you that perspective, them. to clear you when to you know the world through their eyes. So, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it's 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 just common sense, really. Um, one last topic for today, I think, because I think yeah. we've run through everything, um, and it's a and it's and it's going to be a professional wrestling topic, I think. Uh, cool. You mentioned before, you know, how um, uh, the big companies, you know, WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, um, New Japan, they're all, you know, thriving right now. Stardom, I'll mention Stardom because I'm a big fan of Stardom. And you obviously well, who doesn't love Stardom companies as well. Um, they're all obviously, as you said, owned by wealthy corporations or wealthy individuals. But uh, I am actually really uh, surprised, especially in the U.S., that a lot of smaller professional wrestling companies yours included well has been have been able to survive the pandemic i think it shows a, a tremendous amount of de- determination a tremendous resolve and on my hat goes off to them but at the same time i know a lot of promotions that haven't made it you know uh uh evolve wrestling on by gabe sapolsky have you the know guy poor old Gabe had to sell off the wwe because he couldn't keep running it at, at negative so it's just which is very sad but you know uh that's one i thing. don't know if gabe's too sad after cashing out on a <laughs> i'm
1: sure he's I, i'm sure yeah it's i'm sure the the wrestlers are sad but I, i'm sure i'm sure gabe is gonna have a lot of uh a lot of checks to dry his tears
0: on after i'm I'm surprised that now i knowing vince i probably he probably didn't give him what he what he what what was oh no no no, i'm sure
1: but i mean you you do raise a good point i mean and this is this is another thing i've really been thinking about a lot especially ever since you you know you you reading what you you wrote as far as like the topics we're going to be covering like wrestling in the pandemic and you, re- like I said, you just like you—you you totally got my gears turning, it, it, as you can tell. I think we've had a really good discussion in this mm-hmm. first episode, and and I think with um, I think with wrestling, it's like, yeah, there's there's a lot of smaller companies that are, are really trying to survive. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest here. I I worry about the smaller companies. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got uh, you know. Game changer wrestling is out there putting on shows right now. You know they're going to be in my backyard here in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, and, and it, I'm sure it's going to be a great show. But you know, um, you know they've it, it, it makes you wonder with with shows like that in a pandemic. A is it is it the best idea? I, I mean it's it's run by great people. They're very intelligent people, mm-hmm. very intelligent you know uh, uh, people behind that promotion, but again it just it makes you wonder it's like just in the same way it's like everybody's questioning was it smart for the for the united states to open all of these businesses and allow all of these things to happen when it's and then we see all these spikes mm. you know yeah you know i question the wrestling promotion the same way but then yeah. again how are these companies supposed to survive you know they're not run by the mcmahon's who are insulated by billions of dollars from saudi arabia and uh, And a Fox deal with SmackDown that doesn't seem to be seem to be going so well right now, mm-hmm. and then you've got the cons, which have the Jacksonville Jaguars and Fulham football and and uh, other business endeavors, and you've got ROH with Sinclair, which runs a majority of the media here in the United States, and then you've got Anthem, who is so rich they can buy a, a, a freaking network just to keep their their dwindling company alive yeah. you've got all these companies that are so insulated by media they're going to be fine regardless but the company is like uh you know beyond wrestling which uh, it puts on great shows run by Drew Cordero you've got game changer you've got um uh PWG even you know like mm. so these shows that either are running bare bone shows you know just doing what they can or running no shows mm. you know it it does you know evolve sold you know who's the next evolve who's Who's the next company that's going to have to sell their assets, what they've got just to, to, to make ends meet, just to, so that, you know, the, the few people that that can make some money off of these sales, you know, can do so. You know, it just, it does. it. that's, that's what I worry about. You know, the longer these COVID restrictions go on, you know, who's going to be the next one to to have to sell, Hmm. you know, Billy Corgan made a statement about NWA not shutting down. And I don't know Billy Corgan's business handlings. I don't know what his finances are like. I, I assume he's going to be okay, hmm. but you know what, what? You know how long until he looks at NWA as a as a business venture that he can sell and make some money off of? You know it, it, that that's that's where I I think that I I think it's going to be sooner rather than later before we see another evolve situation yeah. where somebody has got to sell to a WWE or an AEW or who, whomever is
0: willing to, to, to make the, to make the deal. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's sadly true. I mean, uh, you know, you talk about Corbin and NWA. I mean, I think I read somewhere his net worth, is like 40 million, but yeah. I would have assur- I would have to assume half of at least half of that, probably more than half of that isn't liquid. And Oh, absolutely. And people listening right now, think, oh, that's still 15, 20 million. That's a lot. Yeah. But I don't think people understand really the cost of, you know, running a professional wrestling promotion and, you know, especially one that has a uh, TV production. I mean, I'm, you would probably know better than I, but it's not a, a cheap prospect. Well, I was about to say, I mean, it's like, I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm more on the creative
1: side than the business side, but I mean, I've I've sat in on enough of these these, these dealings and these handlings to, to tell you, I mean, it's, it's not cheap to, to make even a show, the level of wow, which I, I say that I'm not trying to be modest when I say this, we're a smaller production than the WWE or even AEW. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, I think we do a good job with, with what we've got, but yeah, at the same absolutely. time, it is a smaller production and, you know, it's, you've got to bring in so many people. There's so many moving pieces. There's so many moving parts to getting a show like that to, Run as smoothly as it does, and to get that finished product that you see or in our case saw every week on access TV you know it, it's it's there's there's really a, a lot that goes into it, not to understate it or oversimplify it, but it's 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 not easy so for Billy Corrigan, with the professional setup that he had down there in Atlanta with you know the nWA tapings at that, that studio showed that they were doing even that I'm sure cost a whole hell of a lot of money just to, just to produce that so it's you know it, like i said i i come back to what i said originally when does he when does he throw in the towel when does he say enough's enough like you said you know majority of that's probably not liquid so i mean he's eventually gotta gotta decide as a businessman you know with his lightning one media company he's got to eventually decide when do i pull the plug on this if we can't produce shows and we can't, you know, create content. And I've got to pay all of these wrestlers who they, I assume some of them weren't on even on written deals. You know, I think we saw like Eli Drake and Nick Aldis and guys like that were on written deals, but there's so many guys who weren't, I mean, we saw Ricky Starks just up and go to AEW, Man. you know, and, and he was one of NWA's really bright spots for the future. And now he's gone. Man. Well. So, you know, how how long until somebody else decides to jump ship? How many or like I said, how, how long until, you know, Corgan's like, Yeah, you know, I'll sell this to to Vince. He can put it on his network and
0: produce it on the cheap. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was reported on no cheap plug alert, but it was reported on uh Wrestle Royalty that um uh Ricky Starks was offered at some point uh, a deal, but he was only offered one thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Which ain't much.
1: No, I mean, uh, did, there was just the interview um, not too long ago with uh, Sunny Kiss, where yeah. he talked about the money that they made off of uh, Lucha Underground, and it was it was measly. I think he said yeah. four thousand dollars a year. Oh, uh, man. you know, just to be exclusive to a company that you know produced content. Uh, you know, I think they
0: only filmed for four weeks out of the year.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and, was,
0: and yeah, and they were allowed to work indie dates, but nothing was allowed to be televised, which was
1: yeah i mean it was so you've got these companies that they're you know quote making offers but you know if these people can't feed themselves or their families then then it's no offer at all you know i I don't i i don't blame you know somebody like uh ricky starks for turning down an nwa offer and saying no i can go make more money in aew Hmm. and you know they've probably got a brighter future and I don't blame him. He's got to think about himself. He's got to think about his own money. And, you know, when you've got somebody like Chad Khan and Tony Khan, mm. who can literally probably write just blank checks to their entire roster and be yeah. perfectly fine. Uh, yeah. It's hard to turn that down. It's hard to say no. And it's hard to look at that and think,
0: uh, no, I'll go, I'll go with the guys who can only pay me, you know, $12,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the amazing thing that about uh, the AEW situation is that, you know, um, they apparently have a budget of 100 million dollars a year which is remarkable it's that's still about um but one-fifth of wwe's operating uh <laughs> right. operating income which is but it's still an, a massive amount of money and then one thing i'm impressed by is the fact that you know not, not to put over the big guys too much obviously but i'm impressed by the fact that even in the pandemic situation they've managed to Keep that going and not uh, release people like WWE have, and somehow they've still they haven't affected their budget bottom line. They're still within their budget, which is an amazing accomplishment. Which is which probably goes to show how much of a um, numbers guy uh, Tony Khan is. But that's just you know not to, not to put them over too over. But I think that's quite impressive, all things considered. That you know AEW and also other companies like Impact hasn't done it, Ring of Honor hasn't done it, New Japan hasn't done it, MLW hasn't done it. WWE, the biggest game in town, is the only company that's, that that have been letting people go. So, oh, and let, let's let's not forget WWE just reported was like they're they're thinking they're going to make
1: ten to twelve million dollars in this quarter because of all this pandemic. And woe is, woe is me? woe is me?
0: And <laughs> what do they report? Forty three million dollars is that what they made in the quarter? Something like that, which is which is to be fair, much lower than they made in the first quarter, but it's still a massive profit. Oh yeah, 43 million dollars in this quarter and they've got to lay
1: off they, they, they had to lay off all of these wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't buy that for no, a second.
0: I don't yeah. I don't they, they laid off like think like uh, 20 wrestlers, 10 producers, a bunch of backstage people. I think they let go of, of I think I think like 50 people. All those salaries combined, they, they wouldn't have been anywhere near 43 million, they would have been five, six mil max. So that no, was such not a yeah, you know, yeah. It's
1: like if if you're paying Heath Slater. That much money to where you can, you've got to let him go so you can make 43 million dollars. Well, you sorry, you were overpaying Heath Slater, <laughs> you know. It's like, I, I, and I highly doubt that. I'm just using that as an extreme example, but well, actually, no, I do. I, 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 you know, it
0: was that actually, believe it or not, Zach Ryder was making uh 400 grand a year. Jeez, I know, I mean, yeah, I know, right?
1: I, Mental, I don't know, it's like they're. they're you look at you look at Zack Ryder, and as long as he's with that company, it's like it's part of me is like four hundred thousand. Hey, he probably does Maybe he deserved a little bit more. Then the then you think about how he was used. Like, he probably didn't deserve that much. He's one of those <laughs> rare characters where you look at him, you're like I don't know. I could kind of go either way on that. He might have been overpaid. He might have been underpaid. It's it yeah. depends on how you slice it. Yeah, but uh, but no, I mean I I I don't uh, I don't think you're you're wrong at all for putting over AEW. I think uh, I saw. I saw somebody post on, I think it was Reddit. They talked about, in in all of this, they've managed to not only not fire people, but sign new wrestlers, uh, promote, uh, not promote. What's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, a book. Uh, all of these indie wrestlers, like uh, you know, like uh, Pineapple Pete and all that. You know, they've they've had all these indie wrestlers come in. They've been able to pay these guys, give them opportunities. Maybe not a steady job for all of them. They will give these people jobs. They just signed Eddie Kingston to a long term deal. Yeah. They signed uh, Abaddon to a, a long term deal. Mm. You know Ricky Starks uh, in all of this as well. And you know who knows? You know what the what the future holds for some of these other talent that are out there. Mm. You know, there's uh, AEW seems like you know, Matt Cardona, Zach Ryder just showed up yeah (laughs) on impact so an impact dynamite my bad (laughs) but uh it it is it's it's really it's really great i I don't think you're wrong at all for putting them over i give aew a lot of credit i get the cons have deep pockets i know it's not they can't just move money around from fulham and jacksonville to just you know put into aew i'm not saying that Mm -hmm. but they they are very i I still say they're very insulated with that money Uh, Compared to uh, you know some of these smaller promotions that are out there, so you know I'm just glad that they're putting that money to good use and and giving some opportunities to to people who uh, who
0: could probably meet do work do a world of difference for their show. Mm. Um, I will say though we mentioned uh, Leech Underground and this does disappoint me that they weren't paying their people well, but I will say if you ever want to people listening if you ever want to look. That's a product, and not and say that there is a definite connection between comic books and uh, professional wrestling. Watch Lucha Underground, because I always call that a live action, um, uh, just live action comic book. If you if you get if you catch my drift, because it was always just it was such an unique, different presentation with its backstage stuff, with its theatrics, with its storylines. It it really was just you'll never find a, a, a product that has that that, that, that illustrates what this podcast is about than Lucha underground and not, not, not to put them over again, but it's just, you know,
1: no, I mean, I've, I, I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll, I'll co-sign on that Lucha underground was amazing. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways it, there, there were some things that I disagreed with, uh, mm. uh you know, as far as the, the, uh, I, I don't you know, I'm not a fan of intergender wrestling. So, I mean, there were things like that that I didn't necessarily agree with, but you're right. I mean, the storytelling was, was second to none. Uh, the, the absurdity levels and I say absurd and I mean it in the, the, as a compliment to the, to the highest degree, it was so absurd. It was beautiful. You know, it was just, it was wonderful. I I'm, I'm old enough where I remember, I think I was probably 18, 19 years old when it came on, but wrestling society X.
0: I was, was just another about to one. Say,
1: that felt like a pre-case to Lucha Underground. Oh, it really did. I mean, I love WSX. It was one of my favorite things. I was so disappointed when it got canceled. Mm-hmm. I loved what Wrestling Society X brought to it. And when I saw Lucha Underground, I was like, oh, my gosh, finally a spiritual successor to this mm-hmm. great show that I don't think got its just due. You know, I mean, I look back to Wrestling Society X. It was another one that's a live-action comic book. If you mm-hmm. can find the DVD on Amazon – a wrestling yeah. society X, buy it. It's so worth it. But I mean, we had guys like, it was the first time I saw Matt Seidel. It was the, the, I think it was the first time I saw, uh, Colt Cabana's Matt classic character. Um, uh, <laughs> so many, just, just incredible, incredible talent they were able to assemble. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was brilliant. It's, it's like, um uh, another one that's out there that I think, uh, you know, while we're talking about blending comic books and, mm. uh, pro wrestling, um, they just started uploading on youtube during the pandemic the wrp wrestling retribution project Mm. which i think a lot of people should check out i was really excited about it because it was created by a guy named jeff katz who i think his biggest claim to fame other than this was he was a writer or a producer on snakes on a plane if anybody remembers Mm. remembers that awful movie (laughs) but he um he assembled talent like uh, Kenny Omega, Chris Hero, oh, yeah. uh, Chris Masters, Doctor Luther, Luke Gallows. I mean, just the just the list goes on of all this great talent mm. he got. And the idea was it was going to be. We talk about cinematic matches. It was supposed to be cinematic wrestling, which uh, was uh, you know I know I know you and <laughs> I know you and I have talked about it. Cinematic wrestling, you Not know a
0: cup of tea to say the least.
1: But. No, it it can you know cinematic wrestling if i never see a cinematic match again i i will uh, i'll be happy but no this was cinematic in the way it was shot and the way it was produced hmm. you know it was very it was it was great in rig product because obviously you have people like kenny omega involved um so the wrestling was was incredible but um it was it was cinematic in the sense that you felt like it was this High brow, high production. I mean, it was like Criterion collect if Criterion Collection produced professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. It was just, it, it's, I can't speak highly enough about it. So it's another one I think, you know, while you're on the, while we're talking about Lucha Underground and WSX, I think another one to check out and it's free on YouTube right now, Wrestling Retribution Project. Highly recommend checking it out.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that just about does it for the very first inaugural episode of storytelling and spandex. We've covered so much ground. We've plugged a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're going to get any checks from these places, but never mind. We'll plug them anyway because we're fans and we like them. So that's absolutely right. Okay. Thank you so much for listening guys. Uh, this is going to be a weekly thing. Um, hope you tune in for next week's episode. I am Mitchell Adams. That was none other than Stephen Dickey. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Oh, and also, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, please stay safe in the pandemic. Please wear masks. Please follow the advice of authorities and medical advice. And just stay safe, guys. Protect yourself and protect your loved ones and protect the world at large. Thank you very much, guys.